Hey folks, and welcome to Typology, the show on which we explore the story of you through the lens of the Enneagram. My name is Anthony Skinner, co-host of the show. So happy that you're here. We've got one of our favorites back with us today. I'm talking about the author of several books, The Absurdity, Necessity, and Neurology of Contemplative Prayer. Also, The Enneagram for Spiritual Formation and his brand new book, Being with God. I'm talking about our friend A.J. Sherrill, who has a doctorate in spiritual formation and teaches a course on the Enneagram at Fuller Theological Seminary. So there is something in this episode for everyone. Hey, so happy that you're here. That's it for me, Anthony Skinner. And now here is the host of our show, Ian Crumb. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Typology. We have an incredibly exciting show today. You know, a few months ago, we had this guest in the studio, and I got more positive comments uh, about that particular episode that when he we heard that he was going to be here in town, we said, dude, you have got to come back. So please welcome, drumroll, Anthony, AJ Sherrill, Enneagram 3. Welcome back to Typology. It's good to be in the house. I was raised in Brentwood, Tennessee, so I feel like it's kind of really? a homecoming being back this way. Wow. I love getting to Nashville. It's fantastic. I didn't know that. Huh? That's cool. Well, yeah. now you well, live in, home. Now you now you live in Charleston. Yeah, yeah. I live on the East Coast, Charleston, and I've been there for almost two years. And I cannot imagine leaving. I love the Low Country. Mm. And you're a priest. And I'm a priest. And you're heading up a church. You're uh-huh. the rector of a church. Yeah. Yeah, rector of a church called St. Peter's and um, loving every minute. I've sort of done the the sign of the cross across the U.S. I've lived in from New York City to L.A. to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and now down in the low country. So wow. loving it. Love I like that. You have, you have placed a cruciform stamp on the country. And you're an Enneagram expert, well-trained. You teach the Enneagram around the country. So this is going to go... This is going to get competitive, okay? We're going to have to figure out who the alpha dog is in the well, house. I'll say this. I will defer because I first really learned the ins and outs of the Enneagram from you. I wow. mean, I was at a, I think I said this in the last time we were on, I was at a Greenwich uh, sort of private invite thing that you were hosting with Suzanne Stabile a long time ago. and. Yes. That was where I first said, like, I need to do my dissertation on spiritual practices and the Enneagram. So this is going to go deep. Okay, this is not going to be fooling around today. Sweet. But we talked earlier over lunch at Lady Bird Taco in downtown Nashville, Tennessee, 10th Avenue. If you've not been there. Shout out. You need to go. It's the best taco in town. And if you do... Don't forget the special sauce. What was that? Patron. Patron. Oh, man. Mm, Total win. So good. Total win. So there's a free ad for our friend Gabe Scott, Gabe Uh and Keely. All right. So when we talked via text, you wrote, hey, let's talk about how you can use the Enneagram to not mess up your life, which I thought was an awesome (laughs) kind of entry point into a conversation. Well, we wanted to talk narratively. So let's, you're an Enneagram 3. And then we're going to branch out into other types. But unpack for me how to use the Enneagram not to mess up your life. Like what, what brought that to mind for you as a possible topic today? So as an Enneagram 3, one that's prone to deceit and manipulation, control, et cetera, et cetera, productivity, success. Um, I think that I noticed pretty quickly on my journey that so much of my strategies in life were to get what I want and suppressing the desires and wills of other people mm. if I needed to. Isn't that how the world works? Like that, that would have been my worldview. And so I realized that there were a lot of wounded people in my teenage and 20 something years that was sort of forming within me a kind of person uh, that isn't generative, isn't humble, isn't kind, doesn't seek an outward sort of direction and, and factor in other people, which as it turns out, isn't a great way to live. Um, so like, I remember when, when Richard Rohr first taught me the Enneagram, um, years ago and, and he had said the way to really know your type is to source your humiliation. It's that greatest sense of humiliation when you're like, oh my word, 
someone just read my journal and I've been trying to keep that private and suppressed. I don't even tell myself that journal entry because I don't want to know that stuff. That's where you really source your core. I just noticed that um, we tend to shy away from things that humiliate us. And today, and, and I don't wanna get controversial about this, but I will say, I think sometimes we conflate humiliation with shame. Uh-huh. And we're in such a place right now where, yes, we wanna avoid shaming, which sort of locks you down, keeps you in a box, but humiliation's a little bit different. There's actually a window uh-huh. in humiliation where you begin to source like, I think I, I do that. I think I make people feel that way. I think that is my strategy. And that gives me a sense of conviction but there's agency there that I don't have to stay there. Mm-hmm. So it, it's amazing to me, like from the Christian tradition, like this, the, what, what, how I would narrate, narrate that is that the Holy Spirit like invites me to face that, to confront that, to be courageous about that, to submit that and to allow myself to grow beyond what I've strategically manufactured to sort of survive in the world and try to thrive into a different way. Okay. so. Unpack that through the lens of an Enneagram 3. Let's get a little bit more granular, a little bit more boots on the ground. And then, you know, we'll, we won't ignore all the other types, but tell me about your experience, your story, how that worked itself out. The saddest thing on the Enneagram is a 3 that feels like a failure. Mm-hmm. So for mm-hmm. me, to avoid failure at all, all costs, even if that means suppressing the desires of people even on my team, in order to achieve a kind of perception of success uh-huh. would be the goal. So suppressing desires, that's a, also a phrase that might need clarification. Yeah, so it, it would mean that what I want is more important than what the needs are around this table. Yeah, so I was in a, you know, in a 12-step meeting and someone said, you know, everybody's special. I'm just a little more special. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the ego at work, right? And that sounds a little bit of what you're describing, right? Yeah, I mean, totally. And, and it's funny because it's not resigned to certain industries. So people would look mm-hmm. like a priest like me and be like, well, surely you're more humble than, you know. It's hilarious even today, the, the sort of mischief that we're finding pastors and priests finding themselves creating toxic cultures, creating narcissistic cultures where um, so much is allowed and, and because of the power structure that is very, uh, you know, parallel with the systems that we see everywhere else, there's no difference in them. No one has permission to confront uh, because of risking potentially. Because, because what happens is that that leader at the top or those leaders at the top have such a drive to, to avoid failure, to achieve success at whatever, uh, whatever level is, is, is sort of the goal that a kind of structure then is created that creates all sorts of toxicity and it affords like, like my threeness to almost be celebrated in certain ways. Oh yeah. And it's, uh-huh. it's, it's, it's awful. And people are traumatized as a result of it. So, well, we have listeners who I hear from them a lot, which would, who would say, you know, I've experienced a lot of spiritual trauma, a lot of spiritual wounding in the church. And I think it may be largely because they've been, had encounters with uh, leaders who are, you know, who have done precisely what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when I was out in Southern California years ago, I went from pastoring a really, uh, from all intents and purposes, a successful church to planting a church in my, my mid twenties and it failed on all human metrics. Mm. And I remember being so sad about that. And what the Enneagram helped me realize is that, um, in that, it was kind of a, a kindness from God is how I would narrate that because I noticed that the Enneagram helped me realize like what I was sort of saved from, mm. my own self in that way, and then what I was being invited to. Mm. And, and all of that is, is within our, our personalities where I noticed that the Enneagram has the potential to sort of save us from and into ourselves. So there's a component of, of my journey where I felt like had I continued that trajectory, there would have just been uh, exponential consequences. And we see that playing out right now on a grand scale with certain leaders in the public square. And confronting that failure, confronting that humiliation helped invite me into ways in which my personality can be celebrated. Um, Because, you know, I find too in a lot of workshops I lead, people tend to want to be another type. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because they think that somehow the type they have is all bad 
And if I could just be that type, then that might be better. Mm-hmm. And, and we know that like the, the deliverance from that, to- that toxic part of our own egos also has a sort of un- another side to it that is a gift to the world. And so being able to confront that, um, which leads into all sorts of unhealth and mischief and being delivered from that, being liberated from that, and then being invited into parts of each of our personalities that are designed to reveal part of God's nature mm-hmm. in the communities in which we live is, and, and it's why we need community because none of us can do that alone. Um, we need each other in health to display what God is like together to the world. You know, I've oftentimes Um, thought, people ask me, you know, what number is Jesus? And if you see the Enneagram diagram, there's that huge white field in the middle. And it always strikes me that that's where Jesus lives, is at the very center of it, right? Not attached to any particular type, but has, um, as, you know, uh, a human um, manifestation of the divine, right? may not be exactly the way to put it, but having access, equal access to all nine types mm-hmm. and being able to move around the Enneagram uh, to draw on the resources of different types, either alone or in combination with each other, um, naturally, right? So to me, part of spiritual formation is how do I let go of the machinations of my particular personality style and mm-hmm. move into such a place that I have equal access to yeah. all of it? Because mm-hmm. to do that would be to become someone living in the fullness of the image of God, right? I love when you say that too, because I, I think it's one of the reasons why you see in the New Testament, he was so hard to nail down because you couldn't pin him down with any sort of defaults, Yeah, you know? It was like his responses were so different in different situations because right. they were so specific, not coming out of like a right. broken story. Well, in any given moment, maybe he was answering that question we've posed before. What does love require of yeah. you right now? Right. And so when you ask, what does love require of me? It might be, well, I need to be a peacemaker. I need to be, mm-hmm. you know, a observer, investigator. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, or some combination thereof. Mm-hmm. That seems to me to be a, a beautiful sort of place to realize good luck in this life but we can make strides toward <laughs> yeah, it you know yeah, yeah and i mean I, I think a lot of the critique that i hear from the enneagram is you know that this is inherently a narcissistic tool and it certainly can be that mm-hmm. it can be something where you go into a kind of inner fixation and a sort of um mode where it it really is about a narcissistic look at you and you alone but what we realize is for me it is an invitation into community because I feel like as we do tend towards certain types, we realize that to differentiate ourselves and to make space. Mm. Like for me as a leader, as a three, like it's important for me to have all sorts of people that tend into certain strategies and directions around me because I, I sense that together we can probably hold something more holy than I can do alone. Yes, yeah. and you know what happens with the few times I do church presentations, right? I always finish a workshop with the Eucharist, always. Because I say, look, we have spent the whole day talking about how different we are from each other. Mm. And now, let me tell you about community, you know, and how in many ways we're very similar. And mm-hmm. that's what we experience here at this, this altar, right? And it's so beautiful then when you see people come up and share the same bread and the same oh, wine, man. and they realize, oh, this is a this whole mm. exercise has been about we, not me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful, beautifully put. Okay, so you had this experience, you uh, leading a, a church plant thing took a bad dive. You experienced humiliation, right? As a as a result, uh, you were um, the experience held a mirror up to you, and um, how? Okay, so what? How? What are you like now? That's different from them. As, as a result, two of your work at the Enneagram. I think I've, I've learned to take that part of myself less seriously. I mean, so, so much of that was, for me, that was my invitation in the contemplative world. Because like a, like a lot of my writing recently has been that a, a lot of us that either do church work or were a part of that community faith or even other faith communities, what you find is that it's easy to pray at God, to God, mm. for God. Those are, those are fine and well and good. But it, oft, it often comes at the expense of learning to be with God. And I had realized that in my, I don't know, 20 years of faith at that point, almost all of it was rooted in, in getting something 
from God that I felt like I, I wanted and needed and probably in some sense had believed I deserved. And, and so as a three, the invitation to be with God uh, led to learning to, to surrender, learning that outcomes are important, but they're not ultimate. And so that has changed even the last 20 years of my ministry is how do I hold things in a way that, um, that I don't allow them to define and hold me so tightly? Mm. Like I wanna hold things and I wanna hold ideas and vision and, 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 and stuff that we're running after, but my grip is really important to that thing so that my identity doesn't become dissolved within that mm. as if like the outcome is the most important thing. Um, and so that's been a really, that, that disturbance, which I would call it in my 20s, was an invitation to realize that um, the way in which I was holding that vision uh, had become an idol. And I was fixated on it in a way that no matter who would sit around the table, it, it didn't take into consideration their particularity. What took into consideration is can you help me get to where I want to go? And that's like a problem over time. And that's a three problem. Yeah. Right? It's, there's a level with an unhealthy three of where they're exploitative. Mm -hmm. It's like they go to a party and they may be drawn toward that individual in the room mm -hmm. that they sense might be able to help them climb the next rung on yeah, the ladder. That's right. Right? Uh, and I'm not saying it's, a, there's a kind of half conscious awareness that that's what you're doing. It's, and we call it networking. Uh, and when in reality, it's oftentimes just exploitation. Yes. Objectification. Yep. Yes. All of that stuff, rather than a genuine curiosity uh, about the other. I have a friend of mine who's a three, and he says, you know, sometimes as a spiritual dis discipline, I look for the person sitting alone in the room and go talk to them. Mm. Whoever it is that seems out of place, awkward probably is not of much use to anybody else in the space mm -hmm. and i just go and talk to them i think that's kind of a beautiful mm -hmm. thing yeah right love that so every type has a way of doing what we might call spiritual bypassing so I want to talk about spiritual bypassing because i don't think it's a term that everybody knows and i think it's a really important concept I'm going to throw it over to you to talk about what it is, then I'll share a little bit about what it is, and then we'll go through the nine types and talk about the ways that they evade um, having to look at the work they have to do, right? The rationalizations mm -hmm. that they come up with that um, to justify their behavior, mm -hmm. right? Because that's spiritual bypassing in yeah. a way, right? So give me your sense of that, and then I'll talk a little bit about it if... if if necessary. Yeah, I'll talk individually and then I'll, I'll turn into a branding thing that some of, some of your listeners might be able to identify with. So for me, it would be, okay, so God's given a vision for this to happen. Therefore, it justifies whatever the means are in order to get to that end. Mm -hmm. So if it means people are hurt along the way, well, that's just a casualty of the vision that was inevitable because there's bigger fish to fry and bigger calls. So if you're hurt on the way up, I'm so sorry, like I hope you don't fall too hard on the way down. And so we see this playing out right now in a few of the, the what we call mega church brands mm -hmm. that have become influential and for some rightly so. But what happens is like on a, on a larger scale is that we excuse certain behaviors because it's like, well, but, but the end is, we're, we're, we have a bigger vision than that. So, mm -hmm. you know, your little complaint to HR can't impact the 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 impact that the gospel's making through our brand right now uh -huh. so it's best to stay quiet so like a three would dismiss those sorts of seemingly little things which are actually rather big because there's this bigger other thing that we're chasing down and so we can excuse lesser things at least lesser things the way we evaluate evaluate them because we don't want them to get in the way of the yes. productivity of the end uh -huh. right uh, and so maybe I'll just give an example of that, right? And we've seen this story play out a million times. Oh, yeah. You have a very charismatic leader. And I meet a lot of eights, sevens, and threes, particularly threes and eights in these positions. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's say the eight is really aggressive. And they begin to misuse, if not abuse, people on their staff. 
Um, a three might be uh, deceitful or, um, you know, present uh, an image that is not authentic in order to build the brand, right? And, you know, the, the elders of the church, right, they get these complaints from members of the church, like, you know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, no one pays attention because they're, number one, they're afraid of the leader. Mm-hmm. They're afraid of losing the leader because they're so effective. They turn their blind eye to perhaps they've had an affair and or there's talk about inappropriate sexual behavior or, you know, they're blowing through expense accounts. Uh, you know, I can I don't want to name these people. But we all know who they are, right? They, they've been in the freaking news. You know, they're suddenly flying around with, uh, you know, celebrities, but nobody wants to touch it because it's like and then and then the truth comes out. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the truth will out and you know, they fall. And how many times have you seen the fall of a big church leader and you think to yourself, man, I wish I could have taught him the Enneagram. And that's, that's part of my story where I see, I see the kindness of God in that failure that I experienced mm-hmm. all those years ago because it, who knows if that sort of history would have repeated itself with me, but I could imagine it could. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not immune to some of those temptations and I just have been grateful for um, some of the humiliation that I felt like was con- was really staring me in the face at an early age that made me sort of name some things and say, whoa, whoa, wait, like there's time to edit this and to grow. I mean, there's all, there always is, but there, there's time to edit this and to really grow in a way that could look different. Yeah. And even like for, for your threes and sevens and eights that you just named, I would say there's a very big, here's been a big thing for me. It's a very different thing to walk into the room and think, there you are versus walking into a room thinking, here I am. Mm-hmm. That is a fundamentally different way of being human. Yeah. And my default is to walk into a room and to think, here I am. Right. But I can tell you like the impact that God does through my life when I can have the humility and the kind of clarity to walk into a room and to say, there you are such a better way to be human Mm -hmm. and what a great message not only for all of us but for threes right Mm -hmm. uh but i think all of us the ego does tend to walk into space and say here i am Mm -hmm. you know um and you know i I think that's part of the the human condition i i want to ask you though this for me spiritual bypassing another way to look at it is and, you know, Richard says this about sevens, but I'm going to globalize it because I think it has meaning for all of us. He says, you know, uh, sevens, they never wanted to be Good Friday. They wanted to be Easter all the time. <laughs> they would live and die at Disneyland. <laughs> yes, yes, right? But that idea of, I love that idea, like they, they, they want to skip Good Friday and have it be Easter all the time. And I think all of us do that. I think all human, that's to me a spiritual bypassing. It's the, the refusal to um, move through the journey that, that you just described of humiliation, of facing those parts of ourselves where we can only throw ourselves on the mercy of God, mm-hmm. right? Or, and, and then pursue a union with God versus a transactional relationship mm-hmm. with God. Yeah. Because that's the contemplative life, right? Yeah. It's it's the it's the desire for an experience of union, not knowledge, not you know, highfalutin theology. It's just how do I find union yeah. with, with God? And so I think for me, spiritual bypassing is the yeah is the refusal to deal with the Good Friday parts of our mm-hmm. person and only deal with Easter. Yeah, I mean, this week I was. We were talking about it earlier. I, we put our our dog down, who was his heart had enlarged to a point where he couldn't even breathe, and immediately my eight year old was saying, "Well, let's just get a new dog." And it was like to have a a practice of of learning to grieve what isn't is just as important as anticipating what is and can be, and like to not fast track that. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying we need to sit in pain longer than we need to, but there is something that, that as a three, as sevens particularly as well, to bypass discomfort, any sense of failure or hardship 
um, we often have our eyes set on the sort of productivity and outcome that drives the process. And really so much of character is built on the journey along the way. Yes. Um, and that's something that threes have to pay attention to particularly. Mm. All right, let's walk through how each number bypass does spiritual bypassing. I'm going to lean on you more than me on this one, bro. Oh, man, but we can, uh, you know, I'll throw out an idea and you can elaborate. <laughs> but I think every type has a justification that they tell themselves and others that helps them remain in the good Friday of their type, in the dark side of their type, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, I don't want to do the work, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call my way of being in the world X. Yes. Right? So, for example, a one on the Enneagram might say something like, you know, I know I do all these things, but really it's just because I'm good. <laughs> I'm just a good, virtuous person. Or I think I can do that the right way, so I had better do that myself. Mm-hmm. Oh. Right? Yep. So in a way, that's spiritual bypassing, mm -hmm. right? It's like making the shadow aspect of your type of virtue. Yes. Rather than saying, mm. oh, man, I got work to do. I have to really walk through the valley of the shadow on my type. I have to face the humiliation that my, of my type, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily the shame, but the humiliation of... And most people, when you tell them about the Enneagram, they're like, yeah, but get to the good stuff. I mean, you know, it's like... Yeah. They go to the narcissistic route. It's like they become so self-interested mm -hmm. versus saying, you know, part of the work here is getting nailed to the cardboard like a butterfly. Yeah. You know? And to even further clarify, I think what we do is, is we can either face those, those shadow sides and allow that work to lead us to conviction and a longing for transformation in a different pathway. Or as what you're saying, what I hear you saying is that we can we can actually go the other way and sacralize mm -hmm. uh -huh. that which is shadow in us mm -hmm. as a justification to continue it. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Like a good addict would. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I might be deceiving you and manipulating you, but there's this other good, bigger thing that we're chasing. So right. it doesn't matter. In fact, it would be wrong for me to get off this track, right? That's yes. what I could tell myself. Yes. So the, so the one might say, I'm not resentful. I'm, I'm not angry. Yeah. I'm just good. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm virtuous. I just really care about things being done right, which right. is code for my way. Uh-huh. Right. Right? Uh -huh. All right, so let's move the twos, the helpers, right? What do you think the, um, the, the justification is to hide from the shadow? Let me just throw one out and see what you think. I think twos, rather than facing uh, pride and the belief that they are... Um, you know, someone others can't do without, would tell themselves, no, 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 I'm just a loving person. Right. I'm just uh, a self-sacrificing, loving person. And you know, that's a spiritual bypass. It's like saying, I don't have to look at this other stuff. I'm just gonna justify my way of being in the world and the way that I manipulate other people to meet my needs. I'm just gonna tell myself I'm loving. And that's a, a form of denial. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Would you add to that about twos? You know, and I think that's where the resentment comes in. Um, it, it, it's that sense of um, they both need and feed, or, they, or like that, I like to say they feed and bleed off the same thing. It's that sense of, of, of sort of like spending their souls to make sure that I'm helpful in this place or, or this thing gets done or it couldn't happen without me, mm -hmm. right? And that, that if I didn't step in, then no one would have stepped in. And so you can kind of sacralize that sense of everywhere I go, I'm needed. I, I, in fact, I, I sort of need to be needed, but then I feed off of that in a way that makes me bleed. Right. Because then I become resentful. Right. Um, and, and that's a very circuitous kind of route for the two. Um, that is, is pretty painful for themselves. Uh, that for me, I, I can tell when a two is exhausted and yet they feed off of that same thing. That's, yes. You know, it's a, yeah. So. Have you ever noticed that two sometimes will complain of physical injury? It, I've oh, seen this time absolutely. and time again. You know, I, I have a, a two friend and sometimes, you know, she'll walk in the room and she'll be like rubbing her shoulder. And I'll be like, what's wrong? And she'll be like, oh, I hurt my shoulder. 
And I think it's actually a little hypochondriacal, you know what I mean? And I'd be like, I know what's going on here. You know, because it's every time I see this person, right, they have a new ailment. And is it the recognition that's needed here? I want you to meet my needs without me having to, I need you you to ask me how I am. I need you to ask me if I'm okay. I need you without my having to tell you, I need you to, in my own way, inquire after what's happening in my own heart. Yeah. What I actually went was, and I think similarly, they project whatever it is that they need onto you and Mm. begin to try to reach out to fix it so that you respond, you know? Mm-hmm. I've experienced that with twos. Right, and actually resolve the drama in their yeah. own life without knowing it. Oh, are you yeah. X, Y, Z, and you know, yeah, go from there. Right, well, you know, our types tend to cause, the, the strategies of our types tend to cause many more problems than they solve, mm-hmm. right? And they create more pain. Right. And yet, we just keep doubling down when they don't work. It's yeah. crazy, right? Yeah. All right, threes. Well, I've, talked, their, about, I've talked about the three. Do we want to camp on that still? Um, or should we move to the four? No, no, no. You want to sit I just with wanna, me more? Well, that was a little, well, that was a little effort your, to bypass you, right there. You want to lean into my, <laughs> into my junk. All right, but, but what, do you, what did or what do you tell yourself that justifies your, uh, the manipulative shadow aspect of your type? That makes it just, it's okay. It's okay if I continue to live this way. I think that I, when I am in unhealth, I lean against the collaborative spirit. Hmm. So what I tell myself is I need to succeed and I need to get this done. Um, And you're either on board or you're in my way. Hmm. And again, it serves as that, that greater vision of God told me that this needs to come forth in the world. Therefore, you're either against me or you're for me join it but but it's it, it's that that need to collaborate and to realize that success actually might look different than i originally had in mind mm. so um so for me a lot of the bypassing i do is that i alone can do this um i know the way it should get done and that if you don't see it the way in which i think it should get done then you're actually you're actually wasting my time and that efficiency mm-hmm. of time and energy mm-hmm. is really important to me. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you see it play out too with a three is they can be so inclusive and almost seductive, but as soon as it, it's clear that you're not fitting into their plans, you're like written off and they can move on like in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. and that you is know? textbook three. Yeah. I mean, you can read books. Unhealthy three we're talking, of course. Unhealthy three, but that's what you read yeah. on unhealthy threes, right? Is just that... Um, if they're with you, uh-huh. if they're on the program, then they'll include you. Uh-huh. But if they pick up that maybe you have questions or you aren't completely convinced that mm-hmm. this is the route to go, they'll sideline you. Uh-huh. Suddenly you're not invited to the meetings. Right. Efficiency is huge. Right? Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's how, how can we get to the goal line first? Yes. Yeah. Right. And uh, so maybe one of the, maybe to, to encapsulate the, or to summarize the, the self-told message would be something like, oh, you know, I'm not deceitful. Uh, I'm, I'm just a winner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm productive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a great leader, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Those are the kinds of things that we, we might tell ourselves to protect ourselves. This is what it takes. That, yeah. Or this is what it takes, Yeah. right? Fours. Huh. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> I'm just creative. Mm. Now, what would that get in the way? Like, what would be that? What would that be rubbing up against? Give me a scenario where you would, that would be your subconscious message. Okay. So, um, I become a temperamental, moody, Uh um, overly self-interested, elitist, um, kind of person that maybe looks down on the other people who are pedestrian and don't have the same artistic vision that I might have mm-hmm. um, or the same aesthetic sensibilities mm-hmm. that I have that, you know, that I can look down my nose at. Um, oh my God, you got that at Hobby Lobby. You know, I mean, it's sort of like that. I, I can go there. You know, I walk into someone's house and maybe the first thing in my mind is Ikea? Really? <laughs> right? And, and, and so I think sometimes we you know, we can just tell ourselves, well, of course, I'm an artiste. Yeah, I'm a it's like an excuse for our self-absorption too, right? Yeah, 
Yeah. When, when I, I've been on a lot of teams with fours, I, I love collaborating with fours. What I notice is that fours in a team meeting have such a need to differentiate. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So like we could all be going down this beautiful track of yeah. unity and it's like fours I interact with need to just like play devil's advocate for something that is just totally not even the point mm -hmm. in order to say, oh yeah, yeah, there's also other ways of seeing this mm -hmm. and we need to at least name that. And it's like, okay, whatever. Okay, let's get back to let's that's get back inefficient. That's so right. that would, that let's would get back on track with my threeness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Your shadow is competing with mine. <laughs> that's that not good. Great. But I've done that. Yeah, you know, I've totally done that, and oh, yeah. and I know what I'm trying to do in some ways. You know, uh, is kind of spiritual bypass the envy that I feel of mm. of other people. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and and to really. Mm, the humility of saying, you know, you, you know, you're not exactly Van Gogh. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, uh, which, right. I, which I could sort of maybe convince myself of. All right, fives. What, how do they spiritual mm. bypass? What do they tell themselves in order to justify living in the shadow aspect of their type? Fives tell themselves, I can't get that involved mm. because I need to conserve my energy for better thoughts. Mm. Yeah. That's what I hear fives telling themselves. My 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 brain power is too important to descend into the actual implementation of the thing. Mm. Ooh, that's good. I think sometimes they also tell themselves, you know, um, um, I'm I'm not a hoarder. I I'm I'm not, I don't isolate. It's just that I'm really smart. Mm. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like so you'll notice, by the way, that in each of these, what you're, the sense that you're getting is they're patting themselves on the back mm, mm -hmm. for these behaviors, yeah. their way of seeing and being in the world. It's like, mm. oh, no, pat on the back. I'm just a helper. Oh. oh, pat on the back. No, I'm just uh, someone who's great at making organizations or making myself or make, making things succeed. Or, you know, I'm just an artist. Pat on the back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, that's how I justify this. Right. Right. Um, all right. Sixes. Sixes would be the, uh, the pat on the back for uh, dragging my feet is just what's needed for us in order to not make the wrong decision, mm -hmm. right? We certainly, we certainly couldn't trust uh, our instinct or this sense of um, conviction. We need, we need to wait and not move forward because being uh, a person of wisdom and faith is to discern slowly and deeply. Mm. Do you think a, a, a way of them patting themselves on the back too isn't, wait a minute, you know, I'm just a realist. I'm the most realistic person in the room. So I can see the downside. I can see what could go wrong. I can, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It's like, not because I'm a pessimist, but because I'm a realist. That's right. Yeah, that's good. That's right. All right. I think I think in terms of I'll put it in my framework. Let's imagine a uh, whether it's a board or a, a, a governance team or an elder board, whatever, whatever would apply to your context. It's this sense of no, we can't actually do that next year because it, it doesn't make reasonable sense. That's not where we are right now. Mm -hmm. Where you can see like how mm. differentiation is so important on the enneagram, where you may need a dreamer to come alongside a six. And you need a six to come alongside the dreamer in order to tease one another out. Yes. And that's why the collaborative structure of this is needed mm -hmm. because we need each other yeah. in, order to, in order to really move in life together in a way that's generative and beautiful. Yes. Yeah, so I always like to say that sixes tap the brakes mm -hmm. on a seven or an eight mm -hmm. or a three. Mm -hmm. And you need someone who yes. can tap the brakes. I can't remember the name of the organization, but the guys from Atlanta. Oh yeah, those the two guys we CEO I worked with. CEO is a seven hundred, yep. is a seven, and the, uh, the CFO uh, is a six. Yeah, and they have this beautiful relationship, yeah. this yin and yang, and they're best friends. Yeah, yeah. And, and when sixes get on board, though, the, the amount of productivity that happens and trustworthiness with a six on board is incredible. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's right. Yeah. So what do you think the seven does to pat themselves on the back? And of what do they tell themselves and others about who they are? Because mm. we use these to justify our behavior to others. What does the seven tell others to mask, you know, looking at their shadow? 
y'all are being way too serious. Mm. Y'all need to lighten up. Mm-hmm. Really? Right. This is way too serious. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a, you know, I'm just a fun person. Uh-huh. You know, I'm, I'm just a, uh, I'm just, you know, this is how I am. I'm, I'm, I bring the joy. I bring the juice, you know. Uh, and there's, there's an example of skipping Good Friday. Yes. Right. And living in the, the and these are all delusional. Uh-huh. You know, you're, you're deceiving yourself and others. And, you know, and of course, we parade these excuses for our behavior, usually when people challenge us, mm-hmm. you know, when they say, you know, you're being deceitful or you're being, sh- you know, shaming or you're being smothering, right, for twos. I could go through it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 I'm just a loving person. No, 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 I'm just good. No, 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 I'm just a success story. I'm just, right? Yeah. On and on and on. Same thing with sevens, right? All right, eights. Mm. What do we think? Well, how do they spiritually bypass? How do they avoid looking at themselves? What do they say? My aggression serves, uh, similar to three, my aggression serves uh, the end and it justifies the means. Mm. That it doesn't matter how you feel. It's inconsequential. What matters is that this gets done. Mm-hmm. In a different way than threes get things mm-hmm. done. Absolutely. Right. right? Yep. So it's a whole different self-presentation. Yep. So, so what you would say then is um, I am, I am, uh, I'm essential to the process mm-hmm. if it's going to happen. Right. Justice requires. So this aggression is okay. Me. Yeah. 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 And, the, and, the, and the collateral damage that happens as a result of my rolling through other people's lives is justified. Mm-hmm. Right. Or actually unseen by me. Because look what we accomplished yes. last year. Right. 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 Exactly. Rather than looking at the idea that they're so afraid of their own weakness and vulnerability mm-hmm. that uh, this is their default behavior, right? And that's the spiritual bypass. I don't want to look at my weakness and vulnerability. I've had know? so many conversations uh, with eights, probably three different eights, to help them see that really the root of a lot of what they're dealing with is fear, not anger. They're like, I have this anger problem. And like, we dig into it. And it's like, actually, I think you might have a fear problem and you're. You're going to rage, you know, you're reacting out of this right. fear. Right. You're getting too like close to your very, own vulnerability. Yeah. It's really someone like someone else a is light getting bulb. too close to your weakness. Yeah, that's right. Right? Yeah. All right. Nines, I think, is pretty easy. <laughs> What's your right? take? My take is uh, I'm not slothful. Uh, I'm not self forgetting. I'm not afraid of conflict. I'm just a nice person. Uh huh. I'm, I'm just an easygoing person. I think that's the lie they tell themselves in order to justify their behavior. And I want to make sure everyone feels heard. Mm. I want to make sure everyone has a seat at the table. Or I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, when really, no, you're you're not even showing up to yourself, but (laughs) somehow they tell themselves, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay with wherever we go or whatever we do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I once had someone tell me, AJ, my, my silence is not tacit agreement. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's what I've had to, that, you know, they said, that's what I've that's had to good. tell myself is, is I have to use my voice because people assume that I'm in with whatever's being decided. And mm-hmm. I've just chosen to start speaking on behalf of myself. And I was like, go you. That's, wow. that's exactly right. And, and often nine sixes, I feel are, are this way too for me. Um, they're the people that we often sort of trust the most because mm-hmm. that agenda doesn't seem as prevalent right it seems a little less biased at least for me so i tend to really trust nines um when they do use their voices i i i completely agree with that um as long as their voice isn't just a reflection of the group's agenda that's right yeah. that's right right or of the person that they happen to be speaking with so okay so i think that's really great every type has a way of justifying their behavior in order to not look at their passion or vice uh, to not look at how their behavior is actually a strategy for manipulating others to get their own needs met, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and let's just let's just go back over it again, and I'll just try to summarize. For ones, rather than say I'm angry, I'm resentful, um, I believe I know the right way. I'm just going to tell myself and others that I'm good, mm. and I just justify it when people challenge me. I'll just say, no, I'm, no, it's not the case. I'm just good. Yeah, for twos, it would be rather than looking at their, their pride, it would be saying, 
what are you talking about? I'm, I'm just really kind and I'm a helper and I'm self-sacrificing. Rather than looking at, well, yeah, but what's underneath that may not be as healthy and as virtuous as you think, uh -huh. right? For threes, it, it, we, I think what we said is, uh, you know, I'm not deceitful, I'm not self-interested, I'm not uh, looking for my own personal glory. It's, it's really about me wanting to uh, create something that's a great success and bring people with me and be inspiring and you know, all of that kind of stuff. I, I think for a four, rather than saying I'm envious and I feel uh, terminally broken, uh, it's to say, no, no, I'm just a creative. I might be an artist, you know, um, I'm just special. I'm just different than you. And in a way I'm more privileged than you, right? If only you understood. <laughs> yes, if only you understood, you would see this. For fives, uh, it might be, no, 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 I'm, uh, I'm not avoiding feelings of ineptitude and inadequacy by hoarding information and knowledge, and I'm not uh, avoiding relationship through the defense of isolation. Really, it's just because I'm smart, mm. right? I just know a lot of stuff. Mm. Sixes would be, I'm not a pessimist, I'm a realist. And I'm the most realistic person in this room. Yeah. Right? Sevens uh, might be, as we said earlier, you know, uh, I'm the voice of, well, if sixes at their worst embody toxic pessimism, sevens huh. toxic positivity. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm the guy who brings the, brings the light and the joy, right? Uh -huh. You know? Um, eights, right? Uh, I think would be, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a person who is lustful, who needs to assert strength and control over others in the environment in order to mask weakness and vulnerability. That, that's, not, that's not who I am. Uh, I'm, I'm actually just a straight shooter. I'm just honest. I'm just, and I'm the boldest, yeah. most courageous person in the room. You know what I mean? Pat on the back, pat on the back. Right. And then the nine, as we said earlier just now was, you know, I'm just an easygoing, nice person. That's all. Yeah. These are just great strategies for wow. not having to, to, to avoid Good Friday and go to Easter. I love the image of Pat on the back. Yeah. It does help you kind of connect with, oh, okay, that's a strategy that you're telling yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, love, I love the sacralizing of it. It's yeah. not just a strategy like, right. this, is, this is right and good. Yeah. Yes. Right. I mean, it is. Wow. It's almost like genesis 3 all over mm -hmm. um, no this is it's good for me yeah to take this oh my gosh you know yeah so wow well this is a good conversation isn't it yes this is really rich. good yeah we have to have aj back we do let's have him we every week because he fills in stuff that i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> i just have to say man i'm so and and really this is like an encouragement to all threes. I'm so grateful that you saw that first failure as the mercy of God in your life. Mm -hmm. Because I do think in the West and in our churches, it almost serves that the shadow of the three, right? It's just, it breaks my heart what we're seeing today. And I'm, it makes me grateful that you took that as the mercy of God early in your life and it's borne so much good fruit. So thank you. Yeah. I always tell people, uh, I wouldn't want to do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm thankful for that season. And, and honestly, like so much of it is in our lives, like um, may God bless us, uh, not despite ourselves, uh -huh. but because we wanna live well in the world uh -huh. and we wanna see people well yeah. and, um, and draw them out and to say, there you are. Yeah. And not just here I am. Um, so before we good. go, you have a lovely book on the Enneagram and spiritual practices. You have a, how many books do you have? Uh, three. Name them. Uh, a book on spiritual formation called Expansive, which is about uh, sort of a Shema holistic spirituality. Uh, the Enneagram for Spiritual Formation, which is about spiritual practices, personality, biblical perspectives. And then uh, my recent one's called Being with God, the absurdity, necessity, and neurology of oh. contemplative prayer. Ooh, that's good. We've had a couple of neuroscientists on recently, so that would be uh -huh. fun. That would be a good read, wouldn't it? Ooh, yeah. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, AJ Sherrill, S-H-E-R-R-I-L-L. -L. Check out those books. My brother is so wise. And uh, we've just spent, I don't know, an hour and a half together at Lady Bird Taco on 10th Avenue here in Nashville, Tennessee. Padron. Talking about so many deep things. One of the things I love about you 
uh, is you just ask great questions. And that's such a gift. You ask such good questions, and you're so curious and interested in others. And because I'm an Enneagram 4, that's precisely what I want you to do. <laughs> I, I want you to ask me questions that I can opine about at length. And then I, I have enough self-awareness that about two-thirds of the way into the conversation, I realize I have done nothing but talk about my me I love for it. the last hour. Just as a bonus, because we just came off an episode in a week where we asked seven um what was the courageous, courageous questions? questions. Yeah. Would you give us like a question that you that just bowled you over at some point in your life that that really helped you with something or was a mm. help you with a transformation or Ooh, put on the spot? Bonus. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Here, here it is. Okay. And I actually said this in our last episode together. And oddly, I'm I'm not blowing smoke. It was to Ian, and I was discerning a transition. Mm -hmm. which in a COVID, post-COVID world, many people are, as it turns out. Here's the question. When is it time for me to leave? Mm. And when is it time for me to stay? Um, St. Anthony, I believe, once said, do not easily leave the place that you are in. Mm. And that absolutely seized my heart because it is so easy to leave right now, mm -hmm. oh. whatever we're doing and start over, mm -hmm. not a problem. I've been fascinated with the question, when is it time to leave something that you've been doing? And that was a question I posed to you, Ian, probably four years ago, I was in the middle of another community I was pastoring and your answer blew me away. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm grateful we had that interaction then. Yeah. Sometimes you ask a question, you have no idea what it would yield. <laughs> so, well, you thought about it, which was, it took me back because you sat back, you said, hang on, let me think about it. You sat back for about 45 seconds and we sat in the silence. Mm -hmm. And then you leaned in and you huh. answered. And I was like, that is exactly what I needed to hear. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm delighted. And let's close on that note because it's yeah. a way for me to pat me on the back. <laughs> Someone special. You creative you. No, I don't want to actually diminish your kindness. Uh, I want to say thank you, and I'm, I'm delighted that that had um, a meaningful, left a meaningful mark. Mm. Um, all right, uh, typology friends, may you have love, may you have joy, may you have peace, may you have healing, may you have rest. Until next time.